Okay. He actually just reminded me of something that's uh, connected to what we're going to talk about. Um, there's, we say Tzvila Sadarach when you travel. And there's Tzvila Sadarach. It's a prayer of tra- the traveler. And there's some people that... Tzvila uh, Sadarach. Depends how you pronounce it. It's like an Israeli speaking English to an American. They start talking in American talks and they don't get what they're saying. They have to speak in the Israeli accent. Um, so, they, uh, there's some people, the people that I know, that say Tzvil Sadarak every day. Because we're not, we're not at home. We're traveling. <laughs> So um, some people actually say it every day that they're on the travel. Like if you're on a trip without a bra, without a shem's name, let's say without a shem's name. Yeah. If you if you were if you're on a on a trip, right? So people say while well, you're actually traveling. Some people say every day of the trip. So some people say it every day of their life. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> okay. So this, today's a continuation from yesterday's because there's one piece of the story that we didn't discuss yesterday. Very briefly, yesterday we discussed the story of the two tribes, Bnei Gad and Bnei that they requested on settling outside of the land of Israel. Um, they asked to, because they had sheep, they had cattle, they wanted a place that seemed better for their sheep, and they, they wanted to settle there. Moshe had a whole back and forth where he gave it to them over the head, he, remind, he said, you guys are just like the spies, you know, different, the Miraglim that caused us so much harm. And look what you're doing again. And they eventually said, no, we're going to come in with the rest of the Jewish people. We'll fight with them. We'll conquer the land. We're not scared. We're believers. And then we'll come back and settle here. And said, oh, if that's the case, it's okay. Okay. Yesterday we analyzed and discussed that. There's a small detail in the Torah, which, which uh, it's not underlooked. It's not overlooked. Many people discuss it. But it's a very interesting detail. There were only two shvatim, two tribes, that came part of this discussion. That came to complain, not complain, they came to request. What happens immediately after? Immediately after, Moshe gives them the land. He says, okay, I'm going to give it to you. When Moshe gives them the land, let's look in source one. I pointed it out by bolding the words. In the beginning of the discussion, it says, It was Then, when Moshe um, spoke to them, it says, again, they were the only people involved. But then, after Moshe had the back and forth and agreed to give them the land, look who were mentioned. Moshe adds in a whole half a tribe. It wasn't only Bnei Gad Bnei that were given this portion outside of the land of Israel. Moshe um, bundled up with them a whole nother half a tribe. The half of Chatzis um, Shevet Menashe Ben Yosef. Half of the tribe of Menashe who was from, who was the son of Yosef. And the question is very obvious. We clearly frown upon the whole notion of wanting to take land outside of the land of Israel. Moshe screamed at them. Okay, fine. Moshe has a reason to agree with them. They convinced Moshe that it's okay, don't worry, we're not, we're not coming to, to harm the Jewish people. We're, we're, we're on the same path. So here Moshe goes, not only does he give it to them, he goes and pulls another half a tribe that never asked for it. It's ironic. A whole other half a tribe that never asked for it. How, how did they come into the picture? 
Is Moshe pulling them into something that shouldn't be done? And it's, it's, very, it's, it's very odd. And there's many discussions. There's one interpretation, just very basic, I think the Ramban, that says that, um, that it was because it was only two tribes that wanted it. But once it was given to them, the portion was huge. It was much bigger than they needed. So Moshe took another tribe and it didn't split them completely. He split them in half and gave them, gave them that, uh, the rest of the land. But still, why do that if it's unnecessary? Meaning, it's even if you think about it, they themselves were supposed to take portion in Eretz Yisrael, in the land of Israel. So there must be space in Israel for everyone. So the other half of Menashe should have stayed in Eretz Yisrael. What's going on here? So the truth is, what? They didn't. We don't see in the Torah that they did. But hopefully when we answer why Moshe did it, we'll understand why they didn't complain. So um, actually, if you look, just to put it in perspective, how we see this difference clearly, the difference between the way the two tribes of Gadar and Uven got it, and the way the half of Menashe got it, that was very different. And we find it in the Midrashim. Um, in source 2, we find, we discussed this yesterday, but here's the source, where it's a Pasuk in Mishle that uh, talks about inheritance. And the Pasuk in Mishle about inheritance says, that it's uh, um, a rushed uh, 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 inheritance that was done in haste. And at first here they translated disconcerting. Um, and in the end it's not blessed. And Rashi there, based on the Medrash, on the Medrash Rabbah, um, Rashi there explains that this is referring to, this Pasuk in Mishle is referring to that the land that they took wasn't, even once they took it, it wasn't uh, something that we looked at in such positive light. And he continues with the whole discussion, how they put their animals first, but not for them. And then, on the, uh, to contrast that, we find that by the Karbanis, on the Sihim, when the Sihim brought Karbanis, in Pashas Nasi, we know each, when they inaugurated the Mishkan, um, each Nasi of each tribe brought an identical carbon. An identical carbon. The identical carbon that they brought was exactly the same thing. Twelve carbonas, exactly the same thing. And we find the Madrash discussing, even though they each brought exactly the same thing, each one of their carbonas represents something else connected to their tribe. So if we look at the carbon of Menashe, and usually all the things that it says there are not negative things, very positive things, things that praise the tribe almost. And we find by, in the Madrash, when it discusses Menashe's carbon, it says, that they brought two cattle, this is source three. This corresponds to the Shevet Menasha, which was divided into two. And took two portions while inheriting the land of Israel. Half of their portion was on the, in the Transjordan outside of Israel, and the, um, the other half was in the land of Israel. Um, so we see clearly that they're being praised for it. It's, it's, a, it's a shavach, the fact that they were split in all the, the polit- politics about separation. <laughs> I'm sure they didn't separate the parents and the children, but they, they, they're being praised for the fact that they were separated. So we see clearly that there's this, these two um, completely different takes that we take on it. We completely frown upon it. We don't praise it. There's something that we say is an achalom of but about Chati uh, Shevet Menashe, about the, the, the half of the tribe of Menashe, which took their half a portion outside of Eretz so we praise it. And Moshe did it for them. Moshe initiated it. So what's going on here? So the truth is, there's something that we didn't discuss yesterday, which is a whole other um, aspect to this outside of the land of Israel. There was the land of Israel, which the Torah clearly lists its borders, which the Jewish people were given, 
when they um, when they end, when they inherited the land of Israel. But it says in the Torah, I think more than once, that uh, um, that there's going to be a time where Hashem is going to be Yarchiv Hashem is where Hashem is going to broaden the borders. Hashem is going to open the borders, so to speak. That there is that there was a specific borders and lines that we were going, that we were supposed to inherit as part of the land of Israel. But there's going to be a time, referring to the times of Mashiach, where Hashem is going to expand Israel. We're going to get more, more land, and it's known as we usually refer to it as Eretz Keni Knizi Vekadmoni, the lands of those nations that we're going to get when Mashiach comes. And actually, there are ten nations that we were supposed to um, take their land. It's really our land, <laughs> but uh, they were occupying it then. Um, this, there were seven nations in the land of Israel, and there were another three nations, Keni, Knesi, Vekadmaini. There's all Kabbalistic interpretation of why the seven is only what we get now, and the other three when Mashiach comes, but not for now. But the point is that there is a part outside of the land of Israel, which is Eretz Sichah in the Oig, which is part of what the Shvatim got, which is really the inheritance of the time of Mashiach. So it doesn't explain Bnei Gadu Bnei Reuven. They shouldn't have asked for it. It wasn't the time for it now. And not only they shouldn't have asked for it, like we discussed yesterday, they separated themselves from the Jewish people. He said even if they wanted to serve as those people that were focused on spirituality, they had to still remain as an influence to everyone else and not separate themselves. Um, so... That's why it's frowned upon. But there really is, in a subtle way, a huge schus, um, a huge privilege to be associated with the land outside of the land of Israel. Why? Because being given that land is giving them, um, so to speak, uh, a taste or a beginning to what we were going to get when Mashiach comes. It wasn't going to be the land now. They didn't get the full Eretz Kenizi Vikadmoni. Even the part that they did settle in wasn't the full Eretz Kenizi Vikadmoni. Only some of it was a part of it. But really, they were getting a beginning to what we, when Hashem is going to broaden our borders, Yachav Hashem is Gvulcha, that we're going to get in the times of Mashiach. Do we know what those are? What? Do, you know, do we know the new borders? I'm sure we do. I don't know them. But I'm sure, I think there's, they're, they're probably mapped out. Could be not, I don't know. So this is, and right here we already see where we're heading. That it's not, it really is a praiseworthy thing to be able to be given that land outside of Eretz So to speak, Menashe was Zoycha, they had this privilege of getting somewhat of uh, uh, being ushered in to the times of Mashiach in a small way. Because they were getting that land that was de- destined to be given to us in the times of Mashiach. So why specifically Shevet Menashe? So here we come to something beautiful. First of all, very simply, why Shevet Menashe? If you go to last week's Pasha, Pinchas, um, we find that there's a famous story there with Benay Tzlovchad. Benay Tzlovchad, the daughters of Tzlovchad, which their father passed away, and inheritance goes by the father. So they, um, in the land of Israel, by the tribe, and they said that we're not going to get a land. They came complaining to Moshe, give us something. And Moshe came to Hashem. It was a whole beautiful part of Torah where they were, were, uh, were, were feminists, and we say the women are mechabevus arts. They were the ones that loved the land. And this is actually an interpretation of the Kliyokar by the story of the spies, where he says that, uh, one, that Hashem wanted Moshe to send women. Hashem wanted Moshe to send women. And Moshe chose to send men. Hashem wanted to send women because the women were mechabevus arts. The men were the ones that made the issues. Um, but, so, but we see who are the daughters of Slavchat, source 4. But the Kravna Bnei Slavchat ben Chefer. Then Gilad, then Machir, then Menashe, the Mishpachis, Menashe, and Yosef. They were from the tribe of Menashe. 
And let's go to Rashi. Um, Rashi there brings right away the Mishbachas ben Nashim ben Yosef. Why did the Torah trace them all the way back? Loma Nemar, Valek for Nemar, Ben Menashe. Already says Ben Menashe, Ben Yosef. Eloi Melachor Yosef Chibi Vesaretz. Because Yosef loved the land of Eretz Yisrael. Shenemar Valisa Misatz Moisa. Yosef wanted to be buried in the land of Israel. He made them promise to bring up his bones. Uvenoisav Chibi Vesaretz. So therefore his descendants took after him and inherited from him the strong love for the land of Israel. So beautiful we see here that, uh, that, uh, that the daughters of Slavchad the, from to the tribe of Menashe showed us that they had this special love for the land of Israel and this is why Menashe was the one that was Zoycha to get this extra special inheritance of the times of Mashiach. There's one more detail but if you have to go you can go. <laughs> um, so now let's take this a step further and a step deeper. What, what exactly was there in Menashe that connected them so strongly to the times of Mashiach? So if we look back to when Menashe got his name, everything we usually find in the name, we find in the name. Where did, what, what name did Menashe get? Why did he get the name Menashe? Yosef was his father. Yosef had two children, Menashe and Ephraim, and he named them each Menashe and Ephraim. Why did he name each of them their name? So he gave, like all the names of the tribes, the, the reason why they were given their names is clearly listed in the Torah. Why Yaakov named all his kids their names. All names have a reason. It wasn't because they were named after a person. They were the original names and were named after them. They were given their names for a content reason. The name has a, has a translation. So if you look in Parshish Miketz, where they were born, okay, source 5, it says there that um, um, Yosef called Menashe, uh, Menashe. Why? Hashem made me forget um, my, my difficulties and my father's house. Okay, we'll get into that in a second. We know Yosef was uh, exiled, so to speak. He was taken into captivity or he was sold, right? And he was sold into slavery by his own people. Yeah, by his own people. So Yosef that was sold, he so was taken away from his father's house. So he named this Amanasha, reminiscing and thinking back to the fact that he was pulled away. This is be, his kids were born before he was reunited with his brothers. So he named this kid, remembering the fact that he um, was taken away from his father's house. Now, the Shema Sheni Kora Ephraim, the second son he called Ephraim. Why did he call Ephraim Ephraim? Because Hashem made me fruitful in this land of my suffering. Two completely opposite expressions and feelings. Paradoxal. Feelings that, conflicting feelings. Where we see that he was expressing two sides of his feelings within his two sons. On one hand, he, he was very, um, he felt it was a trouble for him and he was suffered and he, he felt that he was pulled away from his father's house, meaning, which almost really tells us he had this yearning to be back. He had this desire and this, this longing to be re- reunited. And that's why he named this Amanasha. On the other hand, he had this feeling of that, okay, but let's embrace where I am. Let me embrace. God put me here for a reason. Like he told his brothers when they eventually reunited, they thought he was going to hurt them. He the said to them, God arranged it all. There must be a reason. The brothers were jealous of, uh, of Yosef. Yeah. Uh, Yosef, because his father gave him everything. Yeah, his father and loved him the most. So Ephraim, they, um, so he named his son Ephraim, expressing that feeling. The feeling of that he was prosperous and he succeeded and became very uh, uh, prominent in this land that he wasn't supposed to be in, that wasn't his home. See, these are two opposite feelings, and the truth is, these are very strong um, uh, expressions that we all need to feel in exile, being away from our home, being away from a, a place where godliness and spirituality is felt and, uh, and recognized by everyone, 
which is what we're going to exp- what they experience in the temple and what we, were experience, what we will experience when Mashiach comes. There's two opposite feelings that we really need to have all the time. On one hand, we need to embrace where we are. We need to live in, in the moment and be successful, succeed, be happy with what we have and be very excited about the life that we have and celebrate it and, and live it. To, and, but at the same time, we also need to have a mixed feeling of Menashe, a feeling that we yearn, long, and crave for a whole nother era and time that we're not in right now. And it's very conflicting. On one hand, we're trying to celebrate where we are. On the other hand, we're remembering that where we are is not where we should be. And that's what Menashe represents. So Menashe represents this idea of yearning and longing for Mashiach. And no wonder Menashe was given that part of the land. Menashe was given that part of the land which represents Mashiach's times because this is what he represented. Menashe represented, it was in his name, in his, in his genes. What Menashe represented, what his tribe represented in the name was this uh, um, remembering not to be too settled, not to be too comfortable with where we are because we know where we are is not where we're supposed to be. We're supposed to be in the time of Mashiach, in the time of peace, in the time of harmony, in the time of health and happiness, and we're not there. Yes, we need to embrace where we are and celebrate it and be happy, but at the same time we have to remember that where we are is not where we're supposed to be and where we should be. And again, I've mentioned this story more than once, but this brings us right back to that famous story, and uh, like AJ corrected me, I think it was the, it was the Chafetz Chaim, that uh, someone once asked him, how do you live so impoverished? How do you live with such a, such a simple life? And he said to them, because uh, he said to them in your wagon, then it was a wagon, that would be a car. Um, some people have very fancy cars. But at the end of the day, as fancy as the car will be, it won't be nearly as comfortable and as, as uh, luxurious as your own home. Why? Because your car is for travel. It's not for living. It's not a living space. So he said to them, with a, then there was a wagon, he said that I'm traveling. I, I live in this city. and I've been living here for so many years. This is not my, 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 end, my end game. I'm supposed to be in the, with Mashiach in Yerushalayim. So I'm not, I'm not home right now. I'm traveling. So when you're traveling, you don't get too settled. So he took it to an extreme. <laughs> but it's that idea. This is the Menashe. And this is why Menashe was specifically chosen to be given the land outside of Eretz Yisrael. The land which will be a taste of Mashiach's times because he yearned long and craved for the times of Mashiach. So it reminds us of that we have to have these mixed feelings. And we have to always remember that uh, as comfortable as we want to be, and we should be, Torah wants us to be comfortable, at the same time, we shouldn't be too comfortable. We have to, there should be something, that's how we do things. We do things all the time remembering the Khurban. And not only remembering the Khurban, it's really longing for Mashiach. It's not just a sad thing. It's yearning for the time that's about to come, which we hope will come now. By breaking the cup by the chasana, and by, uh, some people leave a broken thing in their home. We do all these things, to remember that we're broken and we're not where we're supposed to be, even as comfortable as we want to be. And it's something we always have to remember. Um, to, and this is the time of the three weeks that we're in now. It's the same mixed feelings. On one hand, it's a time of sadness, a time of mourning. For Tisha B'Av. yes, the three weeks leading up to it. It started when they broke into the walls until yeah, they yeah, destroyed it. 17th of Yeah, that's when it started. So on the one hand, we're, we're mourning. On the other hand, we're, we're not just mourning, we're not just crying over the past, we're hoping for the future. We're hoping for, for Mashiach's times, it should happen before Tisha B'Av. So that's the message. Have a wonderful day.